It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. It is a wonderful football Wednesday. It is You Better You Bet. It is Nick Costos. It is Ken Barkley, and it's you here with us on the BetQL Network. Simulcast for the next two hours by our friends at Stadium, and what a badass two hours of wagertainment it will be. Coming your way. Um, I feel like the two hours that we're about to give you are going to be really great. I don't know, though, if we can be completely honest. They'll be as good as the first hour of the show, which was uh, which was something. Uh, Mike Gallagher from Establish the Run, talking NBA. First time we've had him in but almost almost three months, right? So that was great to welcome Mike Gallagher back to the show. And Jay Billis from ESPN also joined us in hour number one, talking all things college basketball, getting ready for conference tournaments the NCAA tournament, and even thoughts on uh, some of tonight's big games, including the Tennessee-Auburn tilt. <laughs> Love that word, the tilt, tonight tilt. In, uh, yeah. in in Knoxville. Uh, so, yeah, all sorts of good stuff from Jay Billis, Mike Gallagher. Um, if you missed it and you want to check it out, just uh, search You Bet wherever you find your podcast for our number one of today's show. Pete Prisco from CBS Sports will join us live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis next hour, giving us all the latest news and rumors, his thoughts on Kirk Cousins, where Kirk Cousins might sign, his thoughts on what the Chicago Bears are going to do, Caleb Williams, the wide receivers in the draft, all sorts of good stuff in the NFL coming up from our friend Pete Prisco. Eight buckets next hour, as Ken and I will guess, win totals for teams in the AFC. And we will start with Gerard Mayo, Elliot Wolf. And the New England Patriots, the new look Ooh. New England Patriots, halters of the of the third overall pick in the draft. So Patriots will start with eight buckets. And at the end of the show, we'll give you all our bets for tonight. A loaded slate in college hoops, abbreviated slate in the National Hockey League. That's okay. And some games in the NBA as well. So bets coming up at the end of the show. But for now, Ken, let's, uh, let's keep talking about what we saw last night. We'll hit some stuff from college hoops this hour. We'll hit a couple topics from the National Hockey League this hour. But, uh... More on the NBA. And I feel like I don't even really want to belabor the point anymore because at the end of the Mike Gallagher interview, we talked about six man of the year. And like, you, we didn't even like mean to talk about it. Yeah. You asked an open ended question like, about award question. markets. It wasn't. Yeah, it was just any award you want. Pick whatever you'd like. What's interesting to you? I mean, your heart, your heart skipped a beat on that answer, I'm sure. So, isn't it? Would you say right now that sports betting, right? Not like. It's like sports content. Like you would never like turn on like a national radio show and they'd be talking about like six man of the year in the NBA. But as far as like betting is concerned, I know like the NCAA tournament, that's not like what I'm talking about. Not like the NCAA tournament or like who's going to win the Super Bowl, stuff like that. Is this the most interesting thing right now in like all of sports betting? Like who's going to win six man in the NBA? I think it's the most interesting to us. I don't think it's the most interesting to most. I'd be curious, like on our network, like how often this topic is covered versus other stuff. So I, I think like we're insulate, like we, we care about it a lot. <laughs> you and I you think, might be uh, right about that. <laughs> well, I just, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say like six man's like that. This is the hottest thing in sports betting. Like it's honestly the hottest thing in sports betting is probably like how many people are betting the unders in the NBA tonight because they can't stop winning. And because all these teams are still on bad schedule spots. So like, that's probably good too. But like for, you know, like the show tends to take on the personality of the people who host it. And you really, really like, like watching a ton of games and talking about sports. I really like betting stuff that takes the entire season to grade out that, to, which is who's going to win the title. Who's going to win divisions, awards, things that take a little while to process. And, uh, and of all those markets, um, this is the most interesting one and it's not close and it's not even that this one's interesting. It's that all the other ones are not very interesting. Like Luca loses again last night. MVP is starting to narrow into a two player race. It can still be other guys, but it's starting to narrow into a two player race. Most of the other awards are one player races. 
Rudy Gobert's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I don't even know who's going to come in second. Like, you know, Coach of the Year is Mark Dagnall or the Celtics if they win 70 games. Like, it's just, these are, we're starting to, like, just know what these things are. Victor Wembanyama uh, is almost certainly going to win Rookie of the Year because every night he does stuff where you, like, rewind the video on your phone to see that he did the thing that you think he did. And just, like, how to, I don't understand how he, like, dunked his, like, Michael Jordan and Space Jam type stuff at the end of the game with the arm extent. So, like, these things are set. And this is the only one I feel like we have that's not set. And not only is it not set, but I feel like the favorites are extremely vulnerable and moving in the wrong direction. And so that's what makes it the most interesting. Um, so we can talk about like some of the things we saw last night. You can mention what Mike Gallagher said there in terms of what you want to bet. You can give the odds in this market, which I think are interesting. But yeah, I, I think like uh, an in-depth discussion, like if you like season long bets or like handicapping something that like you know this type of market then this is where it's at right now no so let's talk about it six man of the year right now in the nba where it could be like a great opportunity to make some money here so let's discuss uh malik monk of sacramento remains uh, a minus choice to win the award uh the kings did not play last night uh they are on the road tonight at the denver nuggets i would like for denver to win that game and malik monk to score zero points because i don't have money on malik monk to win this award he's minus 145 uh norman powell of the clippers they play the lakers tonight powell at five to one and i will give four other names here uh and the odds for these four players they all play at last Last night, and I'll talk about how they played in the game. Tim Hardaway of Dallas is plus 550. He only scored four points in last night's game. Karis Levert of the Cleveland Cavaliers is now 8-1, to 11-4-6 and six for Levert last night as the Cavs beat the Mavericks on the Max Strews uh, buzzer beater from Akron. Uh, Nas Reed, the world, the world is his for the Minnesota Timberwolves, 18-1, to one, went for 22-6 and six last night. And my guy, Bobby Portis, 21-7 and seven last night for the Milwaukee Bucks as they beat Charlotte by like 50 that was a imagine betting like laying 14 and a half like I did last night and it's just never a sweat the entire game it was really great uh Portis 21 and 7 his odds move from 125 now 100 to 1 at our show sponsor the king of sports books bet MGM so I left some names out that are also kind of like Russell Westbrook's 30 to 1 for instance I wanted to keep it to these Ken so let's discuss six man of the year Monk and Powell will both play tonight you know my guys Bobby Portis what do we think of this market it's not even just that uh, that Monk and Powell play. So, like, Monk plays at Denver. Powell plays the Lakers. Levert's second night of a back-to-back at Chicago. Hardaway's second night of a back-to-back at the Raptors. Nas Reed's second night of a back-to-back home against Memphis. Everyone you're going to care about is playing tonight, basically, in this market, um, with almost no exception. Portis is the only one not playing uh, of, the, of the compelling candidates. And I just want to—I <laughs> don't want to— speak for Mike, but I will also note, yeah, yes, Mike said he liked Bobby Portis. Also, he started the answer by saying he loved Malik Monk to win the award and, like, thought his price should be bigger. So he basically was like, it's Malik Monk unless it's Portis, was his framing. Um, and I agree with him it, just in that Malik Monk is the most likely player to win. But I think the question that you should be asking if it's minus 145 in a market with 25 games left is, okay, he can be the most likely, but how likely is he? Is he, do we think he's 80% to win an award? I think there are a lot of candidates in a lot of award markets who are 80, 90%. They got to hit the games minimum depending on the award. And then it's off and running and we just wait for the votes to come in in some situations. It's like an injury conversation. Uh, then there are some awards, I think like this one, where the most likely player to win might only have like a 30% chance of winning because like seven guys can win. And we don't know kind of what the probabilities are yet for sure, but we feel pretty confident it's open. And uh, what I mean by that with Monk is 
I think he's the most likely player to win, but I mean, his, <laughs> the two criteria that define the award, team success, player success, uh, his scoring off the bench is very, very, very marginally ahead of other players to the degree that if he just didn't play quite as well for about 10 games and somebody else averaged 18 for 20 games, I mean, these are easy to believe things happening, then his lead has evaporated and it's happened very fast. And it's, uh, it's even if he's 0.3 points per game ahead of someone, that is not a guarantee that voters who tend to do some kind of wacky stuff with this award sometimes won't be like, well, Malik Monk's ahead by 0.3 stamp. That's my vote. Like, no, it's going to mean that the conversation goes on for a long time and, and people might choose to go with somebody else. Team success, seven and a half point underdog tonight. They're at Minnesota in two days. It's very likely to be 0-2. Now, they can win tonight, and he could have 50. This is There's no certainty in any of this, but you just go by, like, what do we think is going to happen? And a good way to inform what we think is going to happen is to use the betting markets. And they're a really big underdog tonight. They're going to be a really big underdog in a couple days. So they're going to lose both those a lot. And when that happens, they'll average out to, like, a 45-win team. Uh, that's about the bare minimum for team success for a guy who's going to win this. For a guy who doesn't average a lot of points anyway versus past winners, he averages about 15 a game. His minutes are also getting eaten into by someone else on the rotation right now, Chris Duarte, who started playing more. These are all things that make you think, okay, he can win, and he's the most likely, but what would what percent chance would you even put on that? I mean, I would say right now, I, I'd probably give him no more than maybe, like, a like a 40 or a 45% chance to win at best. And that's like a rose, that's like a rosy outcome, I think, or a rosy probability for him. And I think there are a few other guys who can be taken really seriously if we just project out how the season's going to go. I, by the way, whenever you say Chris Duarte, did you watch the show Eastbound and Down on HBO? I did. Power show. I didn't. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know where you're going here, but I'm sure there's. I'm sure this great. is good. Whatever it is. Yeah. So Will Will Ferrell plays a, a character on the show. I thought um, Ashley Schaefer. He looks like Ric Flair, like the way his hair is. He's and sure. he's obviously Will Ferrell's really funny, and he he does like these ad lib bits that like break the cast all the time, and like there are some really funny like YouTube videos behind the scenes of everyone just like laughing hysterically, and he does this one like shtick, and he talks about. This guy, Bob Duato, out of nowhere, and they do, like, it makes absolutely no sense, but it's really it's one of the most memorable moments from the show. And every time you say Chris Duarte, I think of Bob Duato from Eastbound and Down for the people people that have watched that show. You better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Wednesday, talking last night in the NBA. So, I, I got Bobby Portis. I was pumped to see him with the 21-7 and seven last night. But ahead of tonight's games, anything to do here, Ken, and Sixth Man of the Year? And if not, we can uh, we can move on to some other topics. I mean, look, you, you know, the way award markets work and the fact that they stay open in a bunch of places during the games, look, you can always try to what I call front run the stuff, which means you can try to get in bets when you know more than the book does. Like, oh, like, you know, <laughs> a good example would be like an injury, right? A guy goes down hurt and you're like, well, I got to get in the bets before they close the market. People, I think, like to do that stuff all the time. You can do it with player performance, you know, as as Hardaway is playing poorly and Lavert is playing well. I know a bunch of people bet Lavert. That was my answer yesterday for who the best bet was at price. And he was 16, 18 in some places, 14 in others. Uh, that's gone. And it's not probably not coming back, by the way, because I think he he might be the answer to who is actually the the second most likely player to win behind Hardaway and or behind Monk rather. And I would just I would also frame the market this way: you have a favorite who we've now gone over, like is the most likely to win, but I would say the case is fragile or uh, it's uh, you know easily shaken by something that's going to happen. Um, but he is the favorite right now, and that's okay. 
Uh, the second choice was Tim Hardaway, and I said yesterday I wouldn't be surprised if he was 20 to 1 in a week. He was 3 to 1. Okay, today he's 550. Where do you think that's going? Uh, they lost again last night. They have the same problem Sacramento has. He has an equal, like a, a, another problem, which is that he doesn't score very much anymore. Since Kyrie and Luka play together, he doesn't take as many shots, doesn't make as many shots. That's really problematic. Uh, also, I'm not even sure he wants to win. I think he's like dying to start more. So I think this is this is all a big problem. So, which is okay, fair, your second right? choice. <laughs> Right, but your second choice is, is is your second choice is on the fast train to a hundred to one, and someone's going to take that win probability. And right now, the answer has been Karis Levert, and to a lesser extent, Nas Reed. Okay, so like, what again? That's that's your second choice. Your third choice is Norman Powell, and this is like again curious, just because I I get the case, but like Westbrook's on the second unit. It's like the scoring is really all over the place and inconsistent, and. He started the other night because Paul George missed a game. And I would just remind people, like, this is what we fell for with Emmanuel quickly last year, where he started starting games and had like 30, you know, one night, I think, against the Celtics. And voters actually game. held that against him when they voted. Voters were like, well, he did it when he started. So, like, not my sixth man. It's like, well, it's actually like Powell starting. Well, now I don't get to use that game of stats. Now it doesn't actually matter. Like, that's that's almost how you should treat these things. That's a exaggeration, but like... It, it doesn't actually help when you do that kind of stuff. So, like, to me, he's in a pool with all these other candidates, and you're just talking about, okay, if, if there are five players, let's say behind Hardaway, you have Norman Powell, you have Karis LeVert, you have Portis, and you have Nas Reed. And you have these four, so four candidates behind uh, behind Tim Hardaway right now and behind Malik Monk. Uh, does any of, is any of them actually way more likely than the other one to win? way more likely not like small like you can have an argument about it like nasreed will have the most team success he scores the least portis will have the second most team success he scores the second least then powell and lavert score more their teams are probably going to be slightly worse they all kind of balance out in a really funny weird way and my answer with lavert yesterday was like i want a bigger i want the big price then and now it's not big anymore he got bet okay who's my next guy gonna be it's gonna be portis if they go on a huge run here, which it looks like this is going to be a thing, uh, also oh, they, yeah. you know who they play, you know who they play next time in their next game, Charlotte again. They play Charlotte again. Yeah. Yeah. They play the Bulls after that. Like this is just okay. Let's say they rip off eight, nine, ten in a row, and Portis wasn't playing really well, and the bench being bad was the story of the first half of the season. Doc comes in. Let's say they turn things around. Like, who's going to get the credit for that? Doc will get like a little bit of it, but people don't like him very much. Giannis was already playing at an MVP level before. Lillard was already really good. Oh well, like Bobby, Bobby Portis was the one guy who bought in. He was the veteran who like really. And now we've won ten in a row. Like a twenty a game. He's playing a lot. I just I know people don't like him now. I don't really care about now. Twenty games from now, when they've won a billion games in a row, how are people going to feel about him? They're going to feel a lot better than a hundred to one about him versus some of the other candidates. So I agree with you there. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to have my first child and uh, I could use I could use the money. <laughs> Let's right. go. Portis Let's go Costas. Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if he wins six man of the year, I will not name my daughter Portis Costos, but I'll, it'll be up for consideration. Coming up next, uh, we'll talk about the balance of power in the Eastern Conference. We'll talk Celtics. We'll talk Bucks. Are the Cleveland Cavaliers a legit threat to those two teams? We'll discuss on the other side. In this situation, you can't have anybody get an easy shot. Cleveland has that tip by Mobley, but Dodgers gets it back. Dodgers dumps inside Washington, puts it in. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeouts. They have to go 94 feet. Struce from midcourt. Oh, do you believe this? Oh, 
Rodgers. Max Struess from midcourt has won it for the Cavaliers. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Valley Sports Cleveland, courtesy of the call. Max Struess's unbelievable buzzer beater last night as the Cavaliers come from behind to take down the Dallas Mavericks, mostly thanks to uh, to uh, to Max Struess. Uh, wh- one of the headlines, what was the, uh, the the Kellerman show, the Max Kellerman show? What was the, the what we always joke this was one of the in. names of his segments? No, but what was like like the little, the mini names of the segments? It was like Max Max Value, right? Yeah, that I was think, the betting segment. I think, yeah. I think Max Value was like the headline for Max Struess for the Cavs winning was Max Value. Sure. Like Struess's 60-foot buzzer beater like like sinks the Mavs or something like that. Uh, and Struess said it was Max Value throughout the entire fourth quarter. that Couldn't stop making three-pointers to lead the Cavaliers all the way back to victory. Just a reminder to our audience, we'll shift gears to the National Football League coming up in 40 minutes. Pete Prisco will join us live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We'll also get into college hoops and the National Hockey League before this hour is done. But let's talk some Eastern Conference here, Ken, in the NBA after last night's results. Where are the top three teams? Uh, all won. Milwaukee stuffed Charlotte in a locker, beat the Hornets by about a million points last night. The aforementioned Bobby Portis had a really nice game. So did Giannis and Lillard and everybody for Milwaukee. Uh, It looked at halftime like Boston might be in a spot of trouble against the Philadelphia 76ers. And then they weren't. And they won the game by 18. Despite going like 4 of 28 from 3, they won the game by 18. Because, you know, they're uh, they're really good. They've won 9 straight games. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, as we just as we, you just heard, um, come from behind win against the Dallas Mavericks. Leading some to think that Cleveland, a legitimate contender right now, in the Eastern Conference, like to win the East and maybe get to an NBA Finals. So, Ken, let's uh, let's talk about this here at the Eastern Conference, and specifically Cleveland and how the Cavs uh, uh, match up against both Boston and Milwaukee. Boston right now, even money at BetMGM to win the East. Milwaukee at plus 290. Worth noting, the Knicks are the third choice on the board. My Knicks at plus 850. Um, you know, they get Ananobi and Randall back. I guess that makes sense, but right now they're brutal. And the Cavaliers right now can at 10 to 1 yeah this is uh this is basically like a, a conversation we also could have had uh what three weeks ago when cleveland was in the middle of there i think of what 15 and 1 over 16 games something like that like didn't you know lost once i think in about a month and a half span and their <clears throat> their statistical profile would would never have looked better than it did after that game and then off of the win last night it, it's the same questions that we're asking right and so i'll, I'll kind of say the same thing that i said then which is you know, I look at a lot of historical criteria, uh, who can win the title, what do you need to be good at? And after Boston, um, there's like this second tier of teams where from just a team standpoint, not individual, not who's your best player, um, just like the quality of what you're doing in the regular season. And there's the second tier of teams, right? Denver uh, is certainly in that second tier. I, I like them a lot to win the NBA title again this year. Uh, there are a couple other teams, which we'll talk about, which are in the first tier, one of whom played last night and Cleveland is always in the second tier. And I always see them and I always see kind of like how they look on a sheet of paper. That's how I always say it. And I go, what am I, what am I doing here? Because like at this exact moment, it's basically like Boston, Denver, them, and everyone else has a ton of red flags. And you go like, well, one of these teams doesn't belong. Like here's one of the great regular seasons of all time. Here's the best player in the league and one of maybe one of the best 20 players ever already. And, uh, and, here's, and here's Cleveland, <laughs> and here's Cleveland, <laughs> and here's uh, and here's uh, Evan Mobley and Max Bruce and Donovan Mitchell and uh, and JB Bickerstaff too. So 
I, uh, my answer is I don't know what to do. Uh, Mitchell as the best player on a title team. People always hear me rail against like Tatum as the best player on a title team. Uh, you know, Mitchell and Tatum to me seem like really, really like quantities in some ways. Uh, I think people would argue, especially this year, Tatum's a much better defender, which is definitely true. He's also playing with better players, too. Um, they both sort of strike me as the same as like a ceiling best player on a title team, which is uh, I, I it can happen. I'd just rather go somewhere else in terms of the best player on a title winning team. So it's it's Cleveland always strikes me as, well, it's possible, but would you ever bet on it? And that's that's where you lose me to a certain extent. If it happened and I was against it. And then it happened. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like I, it could have happened and I, I saw it coming, but I also, I would have rather a bet Denver. I'd rather a bet Milwaukee who we can talk about. I'd rather bet somebody else. So I still feel that way with them. And until Mitchell and Bickerstaff in a playoff series, until it starts to look different than how it looked last year against the Knicks, um, then I think we're all going to think that. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about it. Like I, I, I wouldn't want the Cavaliers in any of those spots against Boston. I wouldn't want the Cavaliers against Milwaukee. If the Knicks were full strength, I, I would like the Knicks better than the Cleveland Cavs. Beat them last year. Um, also, like the Knicks are not full strength, and they're really bad right now, <laughs> which sucks, but it is what it is. Still time for the guys to get healthy. You better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Wednesday. I am just salivating over the potential opportunity Boston's obviously going to be favored in series against any of these teams in the East. Um, salivating at the opportunity in the Eastern Conference Final to play Milwaukee at a plus price against the Boston Celtics. And I do think, and like I'd, I'd pick Denver also against Milwaukee in an NBA Final right now. I know you would as well. I, I really like this Milwaukee team. Um, and I think in the short term, they're, they're just going to keep nuking. Like they play Charlotte again, as you said earlier, right? Um, in a back-to-back, I think they're going to nuke Charlotte again. Uh, I love the Bucks right now. I can't get enough of the Milwaukee Bucks. Still my team, my pick to win the Eastern Conference, Ken. Um, and, I, and, I, and I can't wait to bet them against Boston. Please give me that sure. matchup in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, the, the Bucks are becoming one of the most interesting teams to talk about. We did this a couple days ago. I remember saying this and it actually hasn't, I guess I shouldn't have expected it to move because it's just like, you know, these regular season games, like they beat Charlotte, who cares, I guess, to a certain extent, but still like, I think if you're trying to figure out, is there a price on a team to win the NBA title that is the most likely to go down, you could make a compelling argument. Milwaukee is the answer to that question, that their price is the most likely to go down versus, you know, Boston is plus 240. Uh, are they likely to be two to one in a couple weeks or plus 150 in a couple weeks? Uh, seems unlikely. Uh, cat's out of the bag on them. They're, everybody already thinks they're the one. They're already going to be projected like the one. They don't have any injuries. They don't have anyone coming back from an injury. Their price seems really stable. Uh, Milwaukee frequently at the start of the season was right right after Boston, right alongside them in terms of odds to win the NBA title. And then obviously had the season that they've had. They fired their coach. Uh, defense has been horrific at times, but is getting better. And they, you know, bring in Doc Rivers. I think everybody knows kind of like the story arc of the Milwaukee Bucks. But I guess my point would just be, I think they have a, a chance to get back price-wise to where they were at the start of the year because we've, we've already seen it. It's already comfortable for us to rate them that way and to bet on them until they get back into that tier of, you know, four to one, five to one. They were alongside Denver for almost this entire season, really, until about the last month. So they're interesting in that way. Now, when push comes to shove, like if we're just talking about like in the actual games, like, do you really want Doc Rivers like game seven at at Boston? Is that like a game you're dying to have Doc Rivers in? No, of course not. Um, I think the the, yeah. the con or the the counter, like the the case against Milwaukee, is literally like you have one of the worst clutch postseason coaches uh, in the history of all sports. 
And I know he won a title and like, I don't care. I'd, I would stand by that statement. I think there's 15 data points that support that. Um, this guy's pretty much the worst. And you got him if you bet Milwaukee. And that's tough. Uh, I think the counter to that is, well, until they play Denver, who's he going to run into that would really worry you a whole lot? What if Embiid doesn't come back? Or what if they're less than 100% with him back? You don't have to play Nick Nurse in a playoff series, maybe, which would be the one coach I think you'd be really worried about, like, of a team in the top six. Then it's like, all right, you you might have to see Spolstra. Is the team so flawed and terrible that it just doesn't matter this year? And we saw this with Budenholzer, like, beat Miami on the way to winning an NBA title. Like, it just did, they were just weren't good enough. And Miami's not going to be that good every year. Is that just what this is? And then it's like, all right, Here's J.B. Bickerstaff, Tibbs, and Joe Missoula. Like, I, we we don't like all those guys. Nobody likes any of those guys in a postseason series. That's They're always brought up as the examples of who you don't want to have as your coach in a postseason series. So, like, yeah, Doc Rivers is going to matter. Maybe it's when they play Denver. <laughs> like, maybe it's when they play somebody on the opposite side. Like, can they get there? Um, so it's, it's just kind of funny. Like, I, I don't like Doc Rivers at all, as a, if you couldn't tell, as a postseason coach. Also, like... In a series against, you know, Tibbs or Bickerstaff, like, is that a huge disadvantage for them? Or are they just all flawed? And maybe that's how the Bucks skate by here a little bit. And it really, Missoula's not going to make a boneheaded decision in the final couple minutes of a game. He's going to do it every year that he's the coach. And they're really good. Also, he's going to do that. So it, that's kind of the push and pull with the Bucks. But I think clearly the most interesting team going right now in the futures market, just because you could really see a price drop coming for them, whereas the other teams seem more stable. I don't have anything else, Ken, from last night in the NBA, um, unless you do, and we can, we can hit it if you do. Um, I'm looking at tonight's board right now, and we were talking about this. All. We'll do this more in the Power Hour, obviously. Um, the Mavericks are on the road tonight at the Toronto Raptors. So Dallas at Toronto following Dallas's like, yak uh, last night on the road in Cleveland, losing at the end of the game. Toronto's won three straight games. They literally I, – I, I find – I don't know how to pronounce his last name, the Milicic uh, – Darko, Toronto's head coach, I find to be like very charming, like very funny. Like he's awesome. Like promised the team a pizza party if they won three consecutive games. Like Toronto's playing really well in Dallas on the second half of a back to back. Dallas is a two and a half point favorite, juice two and a half at BetMGM right now. Two and a half. On the road at the Raptors, 241 and a half the total. I think you and I feel the same way about this game, right? We're both gonna lay it with Dallas probably as a tease to our bets coming up for later. Yeah, there's uh, there is one other thing from last night, but I I, I agree with you. Just uh, look, there are reasons why Dallas won't look desirable here. <laughs> like we all we all watched the game last night. They were all in at Cleveland. They lose. They lost to Indiana a couple nights before that. They had been helped prior to these two games by a really home heavy schedule. So our impression of them, and I thought they really had a chance to be a great team this second half of the season. Uh, they were. I, I really, really liked them. I thought they were going to play really well here. And it's not even that they play. I mean, you, you watched the game last night. Was that even that they played bad or they just got got by a half-court shot in a crazy game they got against struced. one of the best five teams in the league, probably? It is what yeah, it is. Like, it's losing losing at Cleveland. Uh, they're no slouches, right? Losing at Indiana a couple nights before kind of hurt a little bit. This is different than that, right? Quality of opponent. This isn't Indiana. This is this definitely isn't Cleveland, who, again, like probably one of the maybe one of the best five or maybe best six teams in the league right now. Um, quality of opponents different. They're going to get bet against a little. Their injury report might be a little shaky. Maxi Kleba may not play. The, the fatigue is brutal for them. And Toronto has played a little bit better. I, I do feel like maybe that sets up an advantageous opportunity to play them. I mean, almost to win the game at this point, the way that this is betting against um you know, them in the market is just, it's, it is kind of interesting. So I, I agree with you on that. The one thing from last night real quick is just uh, the Celtics won again. 
and there, there's you know there's those twitter accounts like a, there's one like did the lakers lose and it always tweets yes when they lose and that's the only that is the sole function of that twitter account is like when teams win and when teams lose we might just have to start doing that with the celtics on this show because if they just win all the games uh then some of these award conversations are going to get really really interesting with them maybe it's just coach of the year maybe it's a bunch of other stuff uh it looked like they they were going to have a, a little bit of a hard time with Philadelphia, like, you know, maybe 10 minutes to play. They go on a huge 15-0 run, I think, to uh, not to close the game, but late in the fourth quarter. They, they end up covering the number, which is pretty outrageous. They've got the Mavs just to connect these two teams together. Uh, coming up in a couple days, which is a, a pretty big game for both teams. Um, just Celtics, like, trying to have a historic season and the Mavs maybe trying to get out of the play-in. As they just keep checking, check, checking off these games, like, we just have to be mindful of, like, what is a realistic projection for them at the end of the year? Like, even in the market, their win total number is, like, 64.5 or 65.5. Like, that's the average now of what they're going to be at the end of the year, which would be, like, the 15th best team of all time. As they win more games, maybe it's the 10th best team of all time. Like, what, when are they going to lose? When's it going to happen? Um, this is really something that has a chance to catch fire, I think, which we talked about yesterday in award markets. And it'll continue their next game against the Mavs, who we like tonight. Well, uh, we'll hit NHL and college hoops on the other side. Anything else from tonight in the NBA, tonight's slate, tickling your fancy early in the process here, ahead of the power hour in a couple hours? Yeah, I think Lakers-Clippers stands out to everybody, probably is like an interesting game for both teams. We did six-man already, and all those guys are playing tonight, so don't need to belabor that point. Just, uh, you know, I think if you're, <laughs> I don't know if there are a lot of Clippers fans, here's like Billy Crystal and a couple other guys. No, I uh, am. Not, not, not like probably... Sure, not not probably loving what you're seeing out of the All-Star break so far, and we feel that way about a, probably a few teams and how they've started. Only a couple games. Paul George didn't play in one of them. Uh, it looks like they're still in the All-Star. When you watch them play, the Kings game especially, is a, the game Paul George didn't play, is is rough. Uh, to watch. They just look like they're like on, on cruise still, like they're still in the All-Star break. When does that end? Because uh, if they start slipping out of uh, you know four-seed, the Pelicans are playing very well. Like, there's a way that the, they start dropping enough where now you lose home court in the first round. Now you're really kind of up against it. Maybe you got to, like, go to Denver in the first round of the playoffs or something really undesirable. That can happen really fast with how a lot of these Western Conference teams are playing. Phoenix is probably going to play pretty well down the stretch. New Orleans probably going to play pretty well down the stretch. Golden State probably going to play really well down the stretch. They have a pretty easy schedule versus some other teams. So just, like, a little, little good temperature taking here. Clippers off a really bad loss. Like, what do you get tonight against the Lakers in a, a game that's really important for both teams? And uh, I know Paul George in tonight's game either, right, for the Clippers? I think, I don't know if he has been officially has been officially ruled out. I have him, oh, he was officially ruled out a couple hours ago. Okay, yeah, so right before we came on the air. I had him, like, still doubtful. He's not going to play. <laughs> the Lakers, I feel like you, you never know on this stuff. LeBron's listed as questionable, but, uh, yeah, a really interesting game. That'll be, uh, that's late night tonight. That's 10 o'clock Eastern. I'd, I'd like to play, like, Lakers money line, but, I mean, like, it's one of those games where, like, no outcome surprises you. Maybe they should play Lakers money line then, if no outcome would surprise me in tonight's game with the Lakers and the Clippers. On the other side, we'll get into college hoops from last night. Kentucky getting it done for us. Kentucky, a legitimate Final Four team, national title contender. We'll discuss next. on the block here. He's in the corner now. They spread it out for Adams. Missed it. Waterman. Great defense and a great rebound. A big point play from Noah Waterman. What a game, Drew. What a game. And what an atmosphere. 
Switch down the hall. Steps back. Yes, sir! Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Courtesy of the call goes to ESPN+. Plus. Not like regular ESPN was enough. We had to add ESPN+. Plus. Take more of your money. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, as BYU goes into the fog and takes down Kansas last night, snapping Kansas's 19-game home win streak, which is great for us because we bet BYU. We absolutely loved it. Uh, 20 minutes from now, our pal P. Prisco will stop by live from the scouting combine in Indianapolis, talking National Football League, and then we will don thy royal bucket hats for eight buckets, AFC win total discussions and guesses. Can't wait for it. And two hours from now, We'll roll through all our bets for tonight here on this Wednesday edition of You Better, You Bet. Ken, a little college hoops off of last night. We did Kentucky in the first hour of the show. Maybe we could do a little bit more just to reiterate kind of like how we feel about the Wildcats, a team that a lot of people like to win the national championship. So we'll get to Kentucky in a second. But let's talk about BYU here, um, a team that we bet on a couple times recently over the course of the last week and bet against this weekend against Kansas State. So Ibn, as Sammy Sosa would say, very, very good to us. We absolutely love it. Um, I like this team a lot. I look at BYU and see maybe not a team that can win the national championship. Like I think like Marquette might be able to, um, but I, I, I really, really like them. And the poise that you've got to show to go into Kansas and win, pretty impressive. And I know Kansas was not playing at full strength, but I mean, that's really impressive. They won by eight on the road in Kansas. So Ken, what, where are you at right now on BYU as we approach the Big 12 tournament, the NCAA tournament, and the ceiling for the Cougs? of BYU. Yeah, I mean I'll I'll actually group BYU and Kentucky together here. Um if you uh if you took Kentucky's talent and you gave them BYU season, uh they could probably go and win the national championship. But BYU to me just like doesn't have close to enough talent and Kentucky has the most red flags of any team that anybody would reasonably bet to win the NCAA tournament. So they're both flawed in a completely different way. Kentucky certainly has the players that you feel like you could develop into a team that could win. And, you know, it's not like you have to have three pros or two pros or whatever. You know, if you want, you, you can't make it that simple. Um, but you kind of can, you know, like, yeah, yeah, Connecticut was a four and maybe they surprised a few people. They were rated really highly entering the tournament, but, you know, like, who'd they have? Well, they had Sonogo and they had Andre Jackson, who got drafted by the Bucks, and they had Jordan Hawkins, who plays for the Pelicans this year. Like, you, you have these players, like, it's, that's not nothing in this year's team, like Klingon, like Stefan Castle, like, these are guys, like, you're going to see them next year in some capacity, in the NBA, probably, and not everybody has guys like that. And BYU doesn't really have guys like that. And Kentucky's got about 20 of them. Uh, they just can't defend at all. And Jay, Jay Billis did a great job in the first hour of pointing this out, of just saying, well, A, he said Kentucky couldn't defend, which he's right. And also was like, this is, I, I, I put this like my saying for this is, uh, any team can win four games in the tournament, but it's like impossible to win six. And he kind of said the exact same thing when he came on, because it's true. Um, bracket breaks right get an upset across from you doesn't really matter who the team is you can win your region it's just easy like to a certain extent we've seen bad teams do it all the time um but we haven't really ever seen a bad team win six which is to win the national title you have to win six games in the tournament or seven if you make the uh the first four so look kentucky and byu uh they are compelling for completely different reasons byu 
looks more to me like I actually think they're more likely to make the Final Four than Kentucky is right now because they are just much more balanced and balance is what you're looking for for teams that can play, you know, four really good games in a row, win a region. Kentucky is honestly probably going to fall into this paper tiger category of these teams that can just score an insane amount of points. It becomes so, they become the sexy team. Who doesn't want to bet on a team that scores a lot? It's really fun to watch. They have NBA players. Uh, they play compelling, dramatic, entertaining games. Um, at the same time, when you defend like they do, you don't win. You don't win. Uh, unadjusted efficiencies. Kentucky is fifth in the country in offense right now and 180th in defense. Um, this would be by far the worst defensive profile adjusted on whatever adjustment you want manipulate the data however you'd like they'd be the worst defensive team to ever win the title they'd be maybe the worst defensive team including miami last year to ever make the final four if they ever even made the final four and remember anybody can win four games um so it's funny like you look at the two teams and you ask people hey if you put a poll up said who is more likely to go to the final four right now byu or kentucky uh, i mean however many however many votes you'd get you get 99 of people would vote kentucky except for like the snarky contrarians who'd be like well i'm just gonna mess with the poll and vote the opposite side but i actually think it's kentucky too and uh and i would actually be somebody who i'd say well i don't think it's either a lot of the time um but i think byu would be more likely and that would probably surprise a lot of people yeah, that's our our Cougs, or my Cougs at least, with uh, with BYU. You better you bet here with Nick and Ken on a Wednesday. Pete Prisco live from the scouting combine in Indianapolis talking NFL to start next hour. But uh, we've been promising that we do some NHL on the show here, so uh, so let's do it. So things are uh, not going great as of right now for our Vancouver Canucks. Uh, losing last night, just like pretty ridiculous fashion to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm like, Penguins kind of felt like... Though. By the way, that it game's was... going on while the Blazers blow that lead at halftime. I just like, what is the Heat end up just covering like in a la- lame fashion? Sure, by 10. Like at halftime yeah. of that game, I'm like, it's Canucks two nothing. Canucks are up two nothing at the end of the first period. The Blazers are winning outright by multiple possessions at halftime. Like I go, I go to bed and uh, and wake up to zero and two, which is pretty impossible. And that's I mean, just like what's the what, what's your probability? What's your win probability chart on that one? It's my happiness chart. It was uh, spiked way down when I woke up this morning. That was tough. Dude, the NHL's been kicking my ass, man. I need well, like Vegas. a couple days off. Vegas was like my favorite bet yesterday, and they win. They beat well, that Toronto, was, so but that was your bet, and, and I had it, yeah. which was great. But that was like your bet, like my bets that I come up with myself have all been losing. So like I did win because I took Vegas with you last night, but otherwise all of my all of my picks lost last night, which sucked. Do you? Do you... Do you like either of these big favorites tonight? You like usually like I, uh, a dog in these kind of games. Usually like the dog you know, in these games. I don't like I don't like either dog tonight. And I don't really wanna I think I'm taking the night off from the NHL. Maybe I'd money line parlay the Rangers and is the this, Oilers. Is this uh is this the uh is this a home and home for the Rangers and the Blue Jackets after the Blue Jackets yes. beat them? Rangers lost in no Columbus game in on between? Sunday. No game in between. <laughs> for the like, Rangers at least. Like, I don't know if Columbus played is, one. The Rangers haven't played since Sunday. Well, the Blue Jackets going to get out of this mess. I mean, they, they're going to feel like they're really up against it tonight, right? But I'm sure, I'll, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. It's like an obvious human nature kind of a thing. Like you're going to feel like the Rangers are really likely to win. Edmonton, I don't, Edmonton they went on that huge winning streak. I, I'd, I'd be a little cautious with them for, you know, the, the last couple of games obviously haven't been great. The next 10, I'm not sure will go great. They feel like they finally found their baseline where they won enough to kind of catch back up to their preseason projections. And uh, they're probably more just like appropriately rated against the, the, the Blues who could muster nothing against Winnipeg the other night. As, uh, who's playing goal tonight for St. Louis? 
Oh, Bennington. So, uh, I mean, it gives you I like. Lee Bennington. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it hasn't been great recently, but yeah, it makes you feel like a little bit better if you wanted to. I I don't think, I think I'm passing on hockey tonight because uh, I've been getting my ass kicked. Uh, last night, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't want to say they kicked Vancouver's ass, but they came back to win the game in overtime 4-3. to three. Eric Carlson with the winner, and Pittsburgh all of a sudden feels like that maybe as the trade deadline approaches in the NHL, might be a buyer. Uh, the season has been on the brink. They've won a couple games, still like I think seven points out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, but a good amount of games to go here for Pittsburgh to maybe get into the play playoffs with the oldest roster by far in the National Hockey League. But this is a Vancouver conversation, not a Pittsburgh conversation. The Canucks now 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10 games. Uh, Rick Tockett, who's still the favorite to win the Adams Trophy Award, whatever it's called, uh, the coach of the year in the NHL, had said this after the game, hopefully our guys get their brains back. That's an actual quote from Rick Tockett talking about his team. Now, of course, we, we don't know what the con- guy was a tongue in cheek. I'm I they're still really good, but worth noting that the coach is unhappy with his players' performance, so they're really sloppy and they need to get their brains back in the action. Uh Tockett is minus four hundred to win the NHL, uh the Adams Trophy, the Coach of the Year award. Minus four hundred. Rick Bonus of Winnipeg, who's like they can't stop winning. Uh beat St. Louis last night, right? They're at nine. Paul Maurice of uh, Florida is at 10. We have Chris Knobloch of Edmonton at 15. John Tortorella is 12. Peter Laviolette of my Rangers at 20. Um, this is going to get a little interesting. Can you think coach of the year, the Adams Trophy in the NHL? I just, uh, my answer is I hope not. Uh, I think like a lot of people who who actually pay attention, not, not that there are a lot of people who pay attention to this market, although it is open in every domestic sports book all year. This is one that was only open in one place last year and has sort of expanded out and uh, or only in a couple places last year and has expanded out where you can kind of bet it everywhere. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of, if you're like, well, I've never bet this, what well, uh, has it work? It works like every other coach of the year with some small alterations. Um, what do you want? You want a team that wins a lot? Uh, and they win surprisingly. We weren't expecting them to be as good as they are, and they improve a lot over the previous year. The one kind of unique quality that this Coach of the Year award has is the, the way NHL does their awards versus the others. You know, you think about you watched NFL honors, especially if you follow this show, uh, voted on by the media, uh, like a, a panel of voters. It has a lot of media members, has some other voters in it, but like kind of all all in the same vein. Uh, NBA, like the, the voters tend to be a lot of media uh, the broadcasters vote for this award, and uh, like the people who actually call the games vote for this award, and exclusively, no one else does, just them. And there's been a belief out there that Tockett had a natural advantage uh, in this market if they were going to be good, because he is beloved in that circle. And we had Liam McHugh on, who anchors Turner's coverage the other day, and he's like, the first thing he says is, like, so happy for Rick Tockett. Like, he used to be in the studio. We were telling stories. Like, that. that's yep. the vibe that I'm trying to give off here about how. So I think when you have a guy that everyone's dying to give this award to, you can you can put up with a little bit of a slump and still feel okay about his likelihood, which is one of the reasons why I think the market hasn't changed very much, is that there's this idea that it's like, no, it's him. Like, they're going to win the division still a lot of the time. They're big favorite to win the division. Um, they won't probably win the presidents anymore or win the conference. Probably. They still have a chance. But it's, you know, I, I think, look, as someone who has a lot of Tockett and a couple other coaches, you know, do I need to play defense? It's like the question I'm asking. Just the sense that I get is that he still got this. And the one thing to note about Vancouver. So before you, like, you know, j- jump off the ship uh, or you believe you're taking on a lot of water here, like if you bet Tockett or if you you're want to take shots with other coaches, worth noting, Vancouver has almost an entire month stretch in March where they will not leave home. Uh, it's basically almost the entire month of March. They'll just be at home playing games. 
and don't have a lot of back-to-backs at that point, that is a tremendous advantage to have over other teams in terms of winning a lot of games. So I would say I'm concerned, but versus some other reward markets with some big favorites being challenged, I think ultimately it's going to be okay, and it's only because the schedule sets up that way. That's great that they don't have to leave Vancouver. Great city. You ever been? I haven't. Expensive, right? Nah, me neither. Pete Prisco joins us to start hour number three, coming up next live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. I don't know. I've never been. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by (laughs) BetMGM. On the BetQL Network.